It's the Independence Gang on this uh, Monday after the 4th of July weekend. I hope everybody had a great Independence Day weekend, and I hope you were able to celebrate it with friends, family, and none of this garbage that seems to be circulating around social media and other places, wherever Democrats seem to congregate. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but first, let's welcome our guest panelists. We have Benny and we have Trish joining us tonight. Good to see you both here, and uh, thank you for being I know it's a holiday, so thanks for doing that for us. Britt, uh, we uh, decided we decided last night not to do a show in honor of Independence Day, and uh, yet the other side of the aisle seems to be have made it an opportunity to bash this great country of ours. They seem to have no shame when it comes to doing that anymore. Yep, that is true, I, but I think they're in for a rude awakening. Um, I live in Southern California where fireworks are illegal for the most part, especially the big good ones that go up in the air. And I wandered down into Santa Ana, which is 98% Hispanic, working class Hispanic, uh, illegal immigrant Hispanic whatnot with my kids and we went down to their fireworks show which is basically just a parking lot with a bunch of people going crazy <laughs> drinking beer sending all kinds of fireworks up into the air i hung out with a group we hung out with a group of about 25 immigrants working guys hangers hammer swingers their families their kids a whole nine yards and i'm telling you the conversations i had with them i think the democrats have really screwed up by opening the borders up because these guys were like Two of them, one was from Chile, a couple were from Argentina. I mean, the South Americans. And they were like, we left this shit. We don't want this. They love this country. And they know there's nowhere else to go. And I was like, well, who do you vote for? And, you know, a few of them said they were legal. And the other one was like, I don't vote. I'm like, well, you better start voting. And we had a whole conversation about it. Yeah. I hope I lit a fuse in that community that's going to go through. And all these people are going to register because they don't like what's going on. I didn't find one of them that did. Wow, we're going to call that the, I, the Brit factor. If you lit a fuse through the Hispanic immigrant community, that's quite a quite a quite an accomplishment. Well, at least, at least in that in that in that parking lot on Grand and Glacelle, uh, that little parking lot will be mine. Okay, they'll rename it so Brit Griffith that Corner. Goes red, it was for me. <laughs> hey, I want to start tonight's program with with a meme that uh, has been floating around social media for a while. This is not new by any means. I had actually screenshotted a while ago and meant to use it and I completely forgotten about it, but it's one of the it's a meme that that uh, cracked me up more than most do and of course it's a it was one that circulated following Kamala Harris's uh, trip to the quote-unquote uh, southern border and I just find this thing this one to be hilarious. Um, anybody who travels I-95 up and down the east coast, you know, to and from Florida or whatever goes by south of the border. It used to be one of those kitschy uh, amusement park uh, rest stop uh, little hotel places right uh, I think on the South Carolina side of the North Carolina South Carolina border and and the signs the billboards approaching from either either direction or were hilarious you know uh, they were kind of uh, stereotyping in those things but they're funny you know chilly today hot tamale is the is the forecast at south of the border but anyway I, I saw that on social media a few weeks ago and it just made me crack up did anybody else catch that one because it's so funny. Yeah, I actually saw a couple people who are were calling Kamala K Mala, <laughs> which I thought was pretty, pretty, pretty apropos. But yeah, no, south of the border is hysterical, and that's probably the closest she's going to get to any border crisis ever. It is South it, Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, and it, it, you can you can hear the cackling going on as she's like, "Okay, I'm here now." 
<laughs> Whatever she does. Anyway, let's get into the real stuff here. Um, as I mentioned in our opening, the Democrats didn't waste the opportunity of uh, Independence Day to take shots at America, our people, our system, our founding fathers, our documents. And Cori Bush leads this list. Of course, Cori Bush, the freshman congressperson uh, elected from the St. Louis area, she uh, doubled down on Sunday after deeming Independence Day a celebration of freedom for white people only. She claimed that freedom celebrated on Independence Day applies only to whites. She said this land is stolen land and black people still aren't free. She did that in a tweet. She doubled down. She said, we know what our own freedom looks like. She said, end the slavery permitted under the 13th Amendment, end the war on drugs, and end police violence. And then she went on to say, end health care, housing, and education apartheid. And we are the experts on our own liberation, and we won't stop until it's won. Trish, she's a congressperson. She's elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, but she's claiming that black people aren't free or that any any uh, that other people are oppressed in this country does she not recognize the the idiocy of those statements given her position in life no she doesn't she's an idiot to be able to have the stage of being a u.s congressperson and thinking that you are somehow oppressed is absolute insanity i don't even know how else to say it um, I, I, well, I read some of the comments that people left when she tweeted that, and even even the black community is not behind her. So I, I don't know how these people get elected. I just don't. Um, St. Louis, people in St. Louis, if you're listening. You can do better than this. Yeah, it's, it's she does she does not represent you. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing actually. Um, she's aligned herself, of course, closely with the uh, far left Black Lives Matter movement, and she's asserted back in May that communities quote wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have needed to spark a national movement to save Black lives if if America weren't racist as fuck AF. Uh, Benny, is she confusing racism for dislike? Because I know I, I'm probably among many that just simply dislike her. She's very distasteful, distasteful for, to me. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I remember Martin Luther King Jr. has said, you know, he said, don't judge someone by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And I think he'd be rolling over in his grave right now, seeing how quick um, many in the uh, black community, especially the leadership of the black community, um, you know, uh, quick are very quick to judge by the um, color of one's skin, whether it be white or black uh, or any other color for that matter, uh, instead of the content of the character. And you can just not like someone because you disagree with their ideals and you don't want to, you know, vote for them. Nothing to do with their skin color, <laughs> you know. Uh, it has to do with the content of the character. And I would say, I'd say everyone should subscribe to MLK's words, especially those in the black community especially um, the ones who are in leadership positions. Uh, Britt, Maxine Waters, another uh, Democrat representative, uh, has been there forever, uh, used the opportunity to uh, say very similar things. She said, July 4th, and so the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. Equal to what? Equal to what men? Only white men? Isn't it something that they wrote this in 1776 when African Americans were enslaved? They weren't thinking about us then, but we're thinking about us now. Um, first of all, 
it's just it's just lunacy. But but secondly, it's it's important to point out that if you read a lot of the notes, the letters, and comments of the founding fathers as they were crafting these documents, there was a lot of consternation about some of the apparent uh, uh, discrepancies between what the words were saying in these documents and what they saw in society. And they were actually anxious to see society progress to the point where it could actually respect those words for all people. Um, you know, Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the Declara Declaration of Independence, famously said, I tremble when I remember God is just because he recognized that slavery was an evil institution. Um, it happened to be part of society at the time, and it took a, took a while. It took a change of attitudes to correct it. But these men who are writing these documents recognize the problem, so they weren't oblivious to it. These women are grifters. Maxine Waters has never had a real job in her life. She, she's been in Congress for 30 years. She's only had a government job, and she is now a multimillionaire with a couple of homes. She doesn't even live in her district. Uh, this other lady is just jumping on the gravy train, and she's getting it. I mean, she's getting the, the money. She's getting the funding. She's getting the support. Um, I find it amazing that uh, they don't. The founding fathers drew up a doc, drew up documents, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that are that it's rigid enough that dictators and tyrants can't take over. They can't manipulate it and flip stuff so fast. They take over and they're like, "Whoa, what's going on? How'd that happen?" Now we have Hugo Chavez in charge, but it was, but it is flexible enough because there is a system to change it as time grows. It just has to be a big, it has to be a big enough want by the citizenry to tell their representatives to make it happen. And then you go through the amendment process. And we have done that several times in the history of our country. It's been done, it's doable, and it's that's the beauty of this document, that they have it set up in a way that you can make changes without blowing up the whole country. But that's not what they want. They want money. Maxine Waters, I've been next to that woman. I've actually talked to that woman because she. I, I've worked in her district. She is a legitimate, dumb human being. She is absolutely way over her head in the job that she has and the fact that the constituents of that area voted for her, and I believe they did not. I believe there's a lot of funny business that goes on in that neck of the woods. Um, they have elected the most dumbest person on the planet to represent them because she doesn't give two craps about them. I watched her not want to go out and hand out turkeys to the riffraff because they were too dirty. She literally said that to one of her aides. I was in the room. I was like, holy shit, really? But That was about five years, uh, maybe 10 years ago now. My point is, it's a grift. Both sides do it. All races and all colors of politicians do it. It's in the human psyche. Their character is questionable. Their character is, uh, 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 is not good. And white, black, Hispanic, and Asian, we, ha we have them all. But then we have great ones too. So I don't know what we do with all that because <sighs> the system is jacked. And I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. Brett, I, you know, as you talk about Maxine Waters that way, I try to go back through my memory. I never liked her or cared for her very much, but I cannot remember a single speech she gave that wasn't some kind of race baiting, race hate. That's all she's ever, ever. The only words that have ever come out of her mouth that I've heard are those types of words. Yeah. I, and, and when I work in her, in her district and I go into homes and apartments and work and I do talk to people. And they're like, oh, we don't know who she is. We've never seen her. The, the people there don't like her because she never does anything for them. Things don't get better. They literally say that stuff. But yet she stays in office. And, Mac and Pelosi stays in office. And Schumer stays in office. And all these elite politicians, even on the Republican side, the McConnells, and the, they've been there for too long. The, the old guard's got to go. We've we got to figure out a way to freshen it up. Freshen it up. 
We need more Rand Paul types. Well, I'll tell you, here's somebody that we need more of. I really, really like this. I think he's a freshman congressman. In fact, I'm certain of it from Florida. Um, Representative Donald Donalds has slammed these uh, comments. He, uh, in an interview on Fox News, said, We live in the greatest country in the world. More black people have accomplished and achieved more wealth here in the United States than any other country in the world. We should actually celebrate that and celebrate, frankly, the birth of the greatest nation man has ever known. And as and in terms of those comments from Maxine Waters and Cori Bush, he said, everybody knows it's outlandish. It's ridiculous. Uh, Trish, this is one of yours. This is a Florida representative. Yeah, we got a couple good ones that are uh, coming up, and I think you're going to see a couple more good ones coming up in this next election cycle. So, stay tuned. But yeah, I, I, I want to go back to when you talked about the, you know, the founding fathers in the Constitution. Remember, it didn't talk about race; it talked about land ownership, and I think that's really important because we did have black land ownership um, back in the 16 and 1700s. So this wasn't a. I'm mean, honestly, right now, I would love to go back to ownership, yeah. land ownership as being a qualification to be able to vote. Um, because I think that would also change a lot of the, the ways the elections are coming out. I mean, too many people who don't have a vested interest, who live in apartments, who rent perpetually. I mean, if when you own your property, you have a very different feeling about taxes, about how your government runs like these. So I honestly, I think we need to, I I would push for the having that land ownership qualification return. I, th you know, it, it's in retrospect, looking at it and looking the, at the reasons for it, it turns out to be quite wise. But let's take it a step further, picking up on what Trish said, Benny. Um, we are approaching, we may have surpassed the point where 50% of the American population does not pay taxes. When you cross that line and those folks have, have a vote, so not only, you know, in many cases are they not property owners, as Trish was talking about, but they don't even pay taxes because they are now a, a class of people that are actually on the receiving end of government benefits, not the paying end. Uh, when you reach that point, you've got a majority of people, if you surpass 50%, that are voting, that that are receiving their, their sustenance from the government. That's a dangerous tipping point, and we're about there. Yeah, and I think I think we will see a tipping point within our lifetime for sure. And probably, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say within the next, you know, um, five years or so, uh, you know, some something's going to happen, and hopefully, it does not um, result in violence or American bloodshed. But something, um, you know, will happen uh, because a society like that cannot sustain itself for that long, especially when you have. Uh, you know, the, the half who is paying taxes and does want radical change in government, especially when they're armed, <laughs> you know, to the teeth and are pissed off and uh, tired of business as usual. Um, you know, uh, back to a point that uh, Britt was saying <clears throat> when he was saying something has to be done, what can be done? We've all read um, David Stockman's book. Uh, he was an economic advisor for Ronald Reagan. Um, uh, he has a book out called Crony Capitalism. And he talks about term limits being uh, the linchpin that can really get rid of the career politician uh, types and the corruption and the bureaucracy across the board, uh, six, six years, um, no, you know, no matter what, and then you're out of there. Because really all these people are good at is getting elected. You know, they start their campaign trail a year after they get elected you know, the first time, and then they get involved with lobbyists and special interests, 
and they're funding their campaign. And then all of a sudden you have someone like Maxine Waters or Nancy Pelosi or, you know, Chuck Schumer or, you know, whoever. John McCain was one of them too. This isn't just for the Democrats, um, you know. Uh, so uh, it just goes to show that, um, you know, a society that has a representative government as we do, um, we need a quick uh, turnover rate. You know, we need a quick turnover rate. Otherwise, you're going to have what we have now. And one of the reasons why our country is so messed up. I have always been on the fence when it comes to term limits, but I've kind of fallen off the fence on the side of we need some form of term limits. The corruption just is too deep. They get too entrenched and they become immovable and then they appoint their successors. So something has to happen. Britt, I, before I hand it back to you, I want to uh, just welcome everybody in our chat room. I kind of said, I hope you had a great uh, Independence Day weekend in the beginning of the show, but thank you to everybody for being here. I'm watching the comments and I appreciate you all. And I hope you weren't disappointed that we didn't do a show last night. I did see some comments about it, um, but we thought we would give you an opportunity to enjoy it with your friends and family and not have to be here being angry about politics like we are <laughs> getting all worked well, up. Yeah. <laughs> And we also have families. And <laughs> although my girlfriend did say to me, my left wing girlfriend did say to me, wow, the Independence Gang is not having a show on Independence Day. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh right in the heart. Thank you. <laughs> but, but I spent a great night with my kids. So that, I'm sorry. I love you guys, but I don't, you know, I don't get to see my kids enough as it is. And they're at that age where they're starting to not like dad. So uh, I got to take it while I got it. Well, I've been working on um, it for a while to not like dad like you. So it's, you're coming <laughs> along. Good, good to know that. So again, here's Stacey Abrams just purchased two homes valued at $1.4 million after reporting massive debts in 2018. So how do you go from massive debts to being able to buy two homes? Financial disclosures in early 2018 during her gubernatorial campaign that she owed, stated that she owed the IRS $54,000 in back taxes and $174,000 in credit card, student, credit card loans and student loan debt. And she had all kinds of, all kinds of debt. And now, ba -ba -ba -ba, I can buy myself $1.4 million worth of homes. So I'm going to start with you, Benny. What is the grift here? How did she manage to come up with that kind of money going from so far in debt to so much money she's able to buy homes? I it's think, because uh, of – I think – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Trish. Go ahead, Benny. No, I was, I, it must be her elusive you know, writing career that she writes. <laughs> she writes erotica. So maybe she's well, just fine. had a landfall in book sales that has afforded her this fabulous lifestyle, you know, while she's fighting for liberty and justice in her erotica novels. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. So, Benny, please spin the 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 tale. The spin the um. Wow, I am drawing spin a blank bottle. on the word. We'll, we'll play spin uh, you, the bottle. Oh, if you're unsure, no. if you're unsure of what word to say, Britt, just say whatnot. Conspiracy. Because I'll listen to you. What now? You want to put the number up, don't you? Conspiracy. Spin the conspiracy with the erotic novels, the grifting of the money, and politics for me okay. about Stacey Abrams. Okay. Well, I, I see your population is three at Conspiracy Junction. I hope I'm one of them if, if you want me to really get into some stuff here. Yes. Um, yes. But, uh, okay. So, um, well, she seems to be a puppet uh, for uh, the shadow government that's involved. Uh, a, she's black, so they want to um, you know organize uh, that vote and uh, energize that base. Um, B, she's a woman. Uh, I wonder if she's a lesbian uh, because that would, that would probably be really good for, for really good for her cause um, or even, you know, something else. But, um, and with her, uh, with her erotica novels, uh, I don't know anything about them, but um, uh, if, if I really had to get into it, um, 
you know, you want to talk about uh, the sickos in Hollywood and the sickos in government uh, involved in human trafficking and all sorts of other stuff. Um, you know, she seems to be a puppet and, um, you know, who's obviously given awards for running and uh, doing the bidding of those in charge that are pulling her strings. Uh, certainly got her out of a lot of debt. I'll tell you that much. Um, millions of dollars of debt. And uh, now she's living like a queen. Uh, so uh, to me, it sounds as if she's a little uh, puppet and the puppet masters are pulling her strings and giving her you know, awards on top of it. I don't know. I'll buy that for a dollar. Well, since we all uh, jumped in on this little convo, I'm going to move on to the next thing. And I'm going to start with you, JV. Democrats are concerned Harris couldn't beat a GOP nominee, even if even if Trump. I mean, think about it. The Democrats are so worried about Harris uh, being so weak that even by, people in Biden's administration are now starting to leak and starting to talk and, and float these trial balloons about Harris. You know, they're terrified of her running in 2024. How are they going to are they going to be able to cut her loose? The first female vice president that wants to run for president, are the Democrats going to be able to cut her loose and, and stop her from doing that? This is going to be an amazingly interesting time to be alive in the United States if you're interested in politics. There are so many dynamics at play right here. First of all, Kamala Harris is incompetent. We've all already recognized that. Not only is she incompetent, she's not likable. The Democrat voters told us that during their primary season um, when in the lead up to the presidential election last year. They didn't like her at all. Didn't she drop? Didn't she lose her own, the California primary? Or didn't she make it that far? I can't even remember. Her numbers were she horrible. Dropped she dropped out. She dropped out before the first vote. She's not likable. She's incompetent. Yet, here's what's going to happen. Uh, I think, uh, Trish, I think we last time you were on the show, you may have put in a prediction as to how long Joe Biden remains in the White House. I don't think it's, I don't think it'll be through the end of this year. It certainly won't be through the end of, of uh, 2022. They may try to keep him in there through the midterms because I think if Kamala Harris becomes president before the midterms, I think that takes the landslide that will be a Republican victory and multiplies it by a few factors um, because people will be so damn scared of her being in the White House. So I think they try to keep Biden in there until at least the midterms, even though they'll have to prop him up in a corner. You ever see those uh, those apparatuses they used to use to, uh, to to photograph people after they've died back in the days when postmodern yes. photography was very was popular because you often didn't have pictures of your loved ones and when the when the photographer came through even if if uh, you know if if, if uh, granddad passed away you kept them on ice for a few days so the so the photographer grabbed a picture and they used to have these unbelievable apparatuses that would put the bodies into lifelike positions almost like you'd stuff a dog or something it was very bizarre well they're gonna have one of those for Joe Biden at the podium and then they'll just have some some kind of uh, tape recording playing in the background. That's what they're going to do to keep him there through the 2022 elections. But here's the thing. If she actually becomes, and she will, becomes president and then she runs in 2024, uh, I think a, you know, I think a, a a warm plate, a warm ham sandwich could beat her. I think anything, anyone will be able to beat her for all the reasons we just discussed. She cannot and especially if she gets into the office and she demonstrates how incompetent she really is. Right now, she can kind of hide behind, oh, I got these tough assignments, the border. Uh, please, please. She's incompetent. Right. 
Although, although they could try and cheat again if we don't get, uh, you know, the election stuff cleaned up. They just cheat again. And again, and I always go back to, they knew they were cheating. They were going to cheat. They knew they were going to cheat. Why the hell did they not pick better people to put in if they were going to cheat? It's amazing to me. Trish, so let me ask you this. This comes around. Her numbers are trash. It's looking bad. Is she, is she the type of person that will uh, do the right thing and take, a, take the bull? Uh, oh, that's a bad term to say. Uh, step down. For the good of the party, do you think she will do the honorable thing and let someone? No. no, no, no. She's much too conceited and much too full of herself to actually step down and do the right thing. Um, I, Kamala, since day one, has proven that she would do anything to get ahead. Just ask Willie Brown. I'm just gonna you say, know. <laughs> you know, she oh she will do anything to get ahead. <laughs> oh no, boy! Oh boy! Yes. Where are the censors? Where are the censors? No. Yeah. Hey, listen. No Zuckerberg here. No Zuckerberg here. Yeah, truth is truth. Um, all right, so Benny, do you want to touch anything uh, on Kamala Harris, or would you like me to move on to another subject? Well, I would I would just say that uh, when I saw, I saw that meme, I also saw another meme uh, that my brother-in-law actually sent me, and uh, it said uh, Joe Biden's uh, 4th of July uh, greeting to America. And it was his face smiling that shit eating grin that he has, and it said on the bottom, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Although he probably, he'd probably say So I got I got something that's more up your alley, Benny. More up your alley, Benny. Um the uh oop, that, this is the one I want. Has no has no one in Israel watched Terminators? So the Israeli army is using for the first ever artificial intelligence intelligence dro drone swarms in battle to hunt down and blitz Hamas terrorists with no human input. Benny, we've created, America's creating uh, a sky dog as opposed to Skynet, and now Israel is turning drones loose to go kill people. What the hell are we doing here? <clears throat> yeah, well, I wrote about this um, in my books. People can get them if they want. Um, they're on Amazon, but uh, I had that year pegged at the year, um, this happening in 2025. Um, uh, that's what, so, um, pretty darn close since I wrote them in 2013, 2014, 2015, but, uh, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, there's some sort of technology involved with these, I assume. Um, is that hackable? You know, uh, could it turn on its own, um, people? Could it hit the wrong target? Could it, um, you know, just uh, fly off into another country, you know, uh, what, what could, what are these things capable of doing? Um, you know, and uh, when it comes to unmanned aircraft and, you know, I, I understand not wanting to risk the lives of, of, uh, you know, young men, uh, young women who are flying these things. But, um, you know, I think that for the past, since the fifties, really, um, I think a lot of the things that we've seen in the sky, I don't know if any of you have seen, uh, unidentified flying objects. Uh, I've seen a couple in, in my own, in my own days. And, uh, they, they, it, they're all unmanned. It seems that they're all unmanned. I, I saw one go down off of I-88 back in 2006, uh, and went down over a mountain. And I couldn't, I couldn't get there to, you know, explore the wreckage. Um, you know, there was no roads to take me where I was going. It was like three in the morning coming back from college. Um, but what I, in, in my opinion, these are not aliens that are crash landing here and the government comes and takes them to area 50. I think that's a front for their own 
experiments and um you know these things have been in the air for years decades even um we can misconstrue them as visitors from another planet or extraterrestrials or what have you but um i think there's they've been testing for a long time and now they're in flight i mean the stealth bomber was tested in the 70s and wasn't used until the 2000s so wow you know you have okay. to backtrack 30 years for things that are being used as far as when they are tested so that's my opinion and i think it's dangerous so so when the machines come for us will we have a way to fight back there's a there's a story i read a couple uh, it's probably several months ago um probably six months ago now so google was testing uh with with three different computer uh systems and they would tie them together and they were supposed to make stuff happen and they were supposed to use a known language that the engineers knew and these computers three times that they've tried it have started using their own language that the, the engineers literally would unplug it because they didn't know what the hell it was doing. The computers started talking to themselves in a language they didn't understand. They didn't know what the hell was going on, so they undid them. Now we have drones with weapons on them. We have America with Skydog and software. And are they trying to just wipe out the planet of humans? Are, 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 are these engineers so egotistical that they think they can control anything and everything that they're going to make this stuff up? Damn the consequences of what happens to us. Kind of like the scientists in Wuhan lab messing with viruses they shouldn't be touching. We now have engineers messing with software and lethal weaponry. Is this a human problem? Are we going to kill ourselves because of our arrogance? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, if, if you look at the history of AI throughout, I mean, and, and you look at weaponry in general and the correlation between the two, like look at what happened in the 60s. I mean, if it hadn't been for one Russian going, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not pushing that button, even though they're telling me to we'd all be dead already. So I, the fact that we have computers now making these decisions, and we all know, look at look at what's going on with Tesla and all the accidents they're having when people put the cars on autopilot. I mean, we all know that AI is not capable of making quality decisions about human life. So uh, I am gonna have to use my vast knowledge of the Terminator series um, and my idolization of Sarah Connor to go to some use at some point in the near future, I have no doubt. <laughs> right. Hey, JV, what was the, what was it, War Games? How about a nice game of chess? Was it chess yes. that the computer yes, had to play? Yes. How about a nice game? So, JV, we have America doing crazy stuff. We now have Israel doing crazy stuff. And then we have Russia. Why are we afraid of Russia? They built this, this is a specially built, high-dollar submarine, state-of-the-art to kill aircraft carriers, and it sank itself. Why are we afraid of Russia? Why is, why are the Democrats so focused on Russia, Russia, Russia? when it really should be China. But I mean, I look at this and Russia, there's another thing, we had the aircraft carrier that they had to send a tugboat out with it wherever it goes. Now they're sinking their own shit, their own subs. State of the art, top of the line. They sank their own, they sank themselves. Why are we worried about them? I don't know if we are. Uh, I think that much of this is is some kind of shell game. And, you know, it's a diversion. I think that they're, you know, we, we've often talked to the connection between many of our politicians especially the Bidens, but also Mitch McConnell uh, and Nancy Pelosi and others and their connection with China. They're making a lot of money on China. But anybody with any real knowledge recognizes that China is the real military and economic threat on the planet to the United States. And Russia is just a it's just a it's a, a patsy. It's it's the it's the Lee Harvey Oswald of the of the of the world right now because it's easy to blame. Um China, uh, Russia has the economy the size of Italy, the size of Texas. It is, 
It is minuscule. It couldn't support any kind of long-term military operation with any significance. It doesn't have the capabilities. One of the things we do fear is their nuclear arsenal because they do have a, a large nuclear arsenal that they inherited from the Soviet Union after the breakup. And we also fear a Russian-Chinese collaboration because that would provide the economic powerhouse that is China and the nuclear arsenal that is Russia. So there are some reasons to be concerned about Russia, but Russia itself is a joke. That's why when they make these announcements... Putin gets up there and says they have this high-tech weaponry. There's very little response from our our military because, A, because they're busy uh, trying to root out patriots, and B, because they need to make sure that they have enough uh, uh, maternity flight suits on hand to and for all the, the pregnant women who are flying jets. And C, they're not really a threat. The Russians really aren't a threat. So I, I you know, the, the, it's curious to me that the politicians focus on it especially now that uh, that you know Trump is not in office so there's something else at play there but it's not because we're really concerned they're a military threat I, I think you're right I think they are just a patsy and a diversion smoke and mirrors and uh, yeah the Democrats are on the take for the uh, for the scientists all right so I'm a I don't understand this you had the the, the judge thing ordering what was it Maryland JV or, or was ordering a the judge you had on the other day. Last, that- yeah, last last week we talked about a Minneapolis area judge ordering Minneapolis to hire more police officers. They needed they ordered that they were to hire about two hundred more police officers to bring the staffing level of the Minneapolis Police Department to seven hundred thirty officers. Right, and now we have another judge is ordering is ordering the Maryland governor to keep the enhanced unemployment benefits going. The governor there. Uh, Larry Hogan wants to get away from the federal money so the people will go back to work because they're making more money sitting at home than going to work and making widgets so we can survive as a society because our society needs those widgets built. And this judge, I mean, the people that people that were getting the money cut off, they got they got some lawyers together, actually some lawyers probably rounded them up, and they shopped for a judge that put an injunction is now forcing the citizens of that state. A federal judge is forcing the citizens of Maryland to keep incurring debt from the federal government by giving out this money. So, Trish, why, why, how is a federal employee able to tell a state what to do? Isn't there supposed to be separation of state and the federal government? Well, we're having this problem all over the place. I mean, look at the problems we've had with the appeal courts, the federal appeal courts. I mean, it's just been, and and the, the judge shopping is part of the problem. I mean, you should not be able to go and shop and find the judge in California to call a case that's happening in Florida or like this. It's just insanity. Like we've got, we've got to put the damper. And a part of that is again, I go, we're going to go back to this topic again. It's just, we've got to get rid of these career politicians. I'm very adamant and a supporter of term limits um, because it's not the person that's the president that's the problem. It's the people that are sitting in Congress for 50 years that are the problem. Um, so yeah, we've got to get rid of these people who've been in forever. We've got to get rid of these these habits that we have of allowing to go judge shopping. And this the whole the, the whole litigiousness of our society is also a huge issue that we've got to take care of. Just uh, and I want to talk a little bit about that a little bit more, simply because you know here in Florida we've got the problem of we have way more jobs and not enough people. We've got the opposite problem. Um, we don't need to be giving people the money for unemployment when we have more jobs than we have people. 
So I encourage everyone who is conservative to please move to Florida, um, especially <laughs> in the big cities, uh, you know, West Palm Beach would be great, Fort Lauderdale, Miami-Dade, Tallahassee, Orlando, Jacksonville. Please move to these cities and work these jobs because we need you in more ways than one. Yeah, absolutely. So Benny, Benny and the Jets, this judge is stepping into states' rights. Hogan now has to continue to give this money away. We're talking about uh, term limits. My personal problem with term limits at the politician level, which I, I'm good with, but we also need to have term limits for government employees. I'm sorry, there's right now there's an employee that's the head of this particular widget uh, division, and then and then all of a sudden, okay, he's got to go from there, and he pops up over at this widget. Uh, government facility and then he, they never go anywhere they just all stay there at the at the employee level the minutia the blob the so if we're gonna have term limits for politicians i think we need to have term limits for the employees of the federal government you go to the fed you can only work for the federal government for 10 years and you're gone and that doesn't mean you go to a different division you don't go from agriculture over to dod then over to you know whatever you don't get to do that you're, you're gone you got to go back to the real world and and live under the laws that you help formulate Terminals for just politicians is not the is not the end all be all in my mind. Am I am I in left field there? Do, do we need to deal with the the blob? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> when you talk about uh, you know federal employees, um, you know, especially with this, like you said, a federal employee is telling you know a state you know what to do as far as taxing its citizens. Isn't there something called the Tenth Amendment that's kind of important? I mean, I'm pretty sure that amendment is the one that. Uh, you know, to, uh, you know, describe state sovereignty when it comes to, you know, power is not, you know, delegated, uh, you know, to, to the United States, federal, federally, uh, the 10th Amendment gives states their own sovereignty. So, um, you know, it's either term limits or secession at this point. I mean, um, I think as Thomas Jefferson, who said, uh, a government that no longer fears its people has run its course. And uh, people need to put the fear of themselves and strength in numbers, um, you know, back into um, the federal government's mind. Uh, we, you know, we, we, it's a line from V for Vendetta, but it, it rings true. So the governments, people should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their people. And um, Thomas Jefferson, you know, hit the nail on the head with his quote. And, uh, you know, I'm not talking about a violent revolution or anything like that, but, um, you know, uh, peaceful protests in mass. I mean, can you imagine playing Christian hardcore metalcore music and forming a circle pit of 3 million people around the Washington Monument? Can you imagine what something like that would do? Uh, they would probably send in the military to arrest us all for insurrection. Yeah. That's well, they're going to have a hard time arresting. Right. There's not enough government employees to arrest 3 million people. And that's a small percentage. If you guys remember, I think, I think it was you, JB, that brought this up um, a few times ago. Um, it was a small, small percentage of actual um, Americans who fought against Brit Britain, Great Britain, in the American Revolution. It was like 10%. That was me. 10% right? fought, 3% funded it. Right. So that, that that's a very small uh, you know percentage. Um, you know, if we had ten percent of like-minded, freedom-loving people that just want uh, government off their backs, <laughs> uh, you know, right. I think we can actually make some noise and actually scare the government um, into submission. And they are our employees. They have completely forgotten that. JV, you want to comment on any of this? 
Yeah, I have, so, I have so much to say. Um, first of all, let me go back to your race thing when you're talking about Stacey Abrams and all that. We've learned very, very quickly in the tradition of Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton that race baiting and fear mongering is big business. There's no, I'm surprised it's only $1.4 million in homes that she bought. It's probably, it's not more like $10.4 million in homes. It's big business and that's why they keep doing it. They keep doing it not necessarily because they truly believe in the causes they're talking about. They, they're doing it because they make money at it and they make a lot of money at it. Stacey Abrams gets like $100,000 for a speech now. It's not one I'd want to listen to, but there are people paying that. So um, that's why they're doing it. Let's talk about this term limits idea for a second. I, you know, as I said, I've fallen off this fence I was on for a long time, and now I, I think that we need to really explore term limits for our politicians. Um, you know, I don't know that six years is the right number. It might be for Congress, but Senate a Senate term is only is six years, so I don't think one term makes sense there. But again, this is this is a debate we need to have and a discussion we need to have as it relates to term limits for government employees. That is, I don't understand how that could practically uh, work in any respect. But here's the bottom line with that. I believe in the greater concept of term limits for federal employees by not having so many of them. Stop giving all of our, all the parts of our lives and our country to bureaucracies. And we wouldn't need all these goddamn federal employees that don't answer the phone, that have 45 days off a year, that um, have unbelievable health care and retirement packages that we would dream of having here in the private sector. Stop agreeing to give our lives to the federal government and we wouldn't have all these people working for the federal government that's how you implement term limits for federal employees and the fact that we're talking about increasing obamacare to become a single-payer system basically allow the federal government to control all of health care and all these other programs daycare and elder care and all these things that are being proposed in biden's infrastructure plan those are all um, additional ways that we're ceding parts of our lives to a bigger, more expensive, more incompetent federal government. So stop supporting this, people. And I know most of the people in our chat room watching this program don't support it, but you got to deliver this message to the cuddle muffins in our society that do support it. Because you keep adding these programs, you're going to keep adding the people that Brit's talking about, and the, the, the ranks of federal employees will just continue to swell. And we got to stop it. That's that's the only way to do it. So, yeah. And you're also right, JB. You said you said a couple shows ago that uh, once we start a program like this, enhanced unemployment, it will never go away. That's what they're fighting for. It's never going to go away. When we try to get, they're going to fight for it, and it'll become normal. And then what happens? Yeah. And I just want to make a comment about that that article as well with the judge. You know, we talked about the Minneapolis police uh, ruling by the the federal ju judge in that district. Britt, you and I agreed. I don't know where that authority comes from. I don't know where the authority of a judge to tell a sitting ruling body of the city of Minneapolis that they have to hire more police officers. I don't know where that authority comes from. Does anybody on this panel have any idea where that authority comes from? The only thing I can think of, because I tried to read about it, the only thing I could think of is there might be something in the Minneapolis police, the Minneapolis city charter that says they have to have a certain amount of officers per citizens. And the judge is looking at that saying, this is this. this okay. is what you guys did. 
It, that's it, the only thing I, it, I couldn't it, find their damn charter online. Yeah, and if that's the case, then of course, then then that would justify it. It seems like the article would have mentioned that it didn't. So I don't know if that's not in there. Then I don't understand when they get that authority. As similarly, I don't understand where this judge gets the authority to tell the state of Maryland that they have to continue paying um, this additional unemployment benefit unless. They're saying that this is a federal program. Everybody in the nation is entitled to it, so you can't unfairly deny your citizens this entitlement. I don't know, but it's still it just it's illust it's um, illustrative of a an activist judicial system that has become a bunch of little fiefdoms, a bunch of little kings, little monarchs, queens that are making these decisions based on their political activism. And I don't know how we stop that. This is a distortion of our judicial system that I don't think our founders anticipated. I think our founders anticipated a a a, a, a moral compass by our judicial system. Uh, a system by which good people recognized how to make good decisions and keep politics out of it. And we're starting to see a distortion that I don't think they, they foresaw. So I don't know how we fix it, Britt. I don't. I want to move on to something different because um, I've said a lot of words and I can't even remember what I said. Um, but here's, uh, here, here's, our, here's our grand old president here, uh, Joe Biden. And m many of you saw the clip of him in the ice cream shop or the pie shop or whatever the hell he was over the course of the weekend buying a cherry pie and being asked about the Russian hacking. Apparently, there were 200 U.S. companies that were hacked over the weekend, and uh, he had no answers. He had to pull out his, his cheat notes out of his pocket to try to fumble through some type of response. Well, when things get bad for Joe Biden, what does he do? He goes back to COVID in two ways. He's, he has his lackeys out there scaring people again. And then he also has to tout these successes that he's had, in which in reality are still just we're still benefiting from Operation Warp Speed that the Trump administration put into place a year ago. But Biden is receiving negative poll numbers, which is reflecting dissatisfaction on many voters' parts as it relates to crime and illegal immigration at the southern border. But So what does he do? He comes out and he says, Today, and this is in his 4th of July address, Today we're closer than ever to declaring our independence from a deadly virus. That's not to say the battle against COVID-19 is over. We've got a lot more work to do. Trish, this is a return to the old playbook. It's worked for him a few times already. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a skipping record, but he keeps going back to it. Oh, yeah, because I was just reading an article earlier today that, you know, the Lambda variant is now with us. And, oh, it's the Lambda. You know, I'm like... Pretty soon it's going to be the Omega Z, you know, Alpha <laughs> from Antarctica virus will now be. You know, like this is just it's insanity. It's it's just the fear because that because we have convinced. I mean, their side has convinced an entire group of people that you need to wear that mask in your house with your friends and your family. You can't you can't be near anyone. You can't breathe the same air that they do because you are going to get sick and die. And that. It, a scared populace is easy to control, and that's what this is all about, keeping people scared, keeping them easily controlled, and always looking to daddy government to take care of them. Yeah, I mean, we've just seen a year and a half of this in action, and the Democrats and the, the authoritarians in our crowd have seen how well it can work, and they just keep returning to the playbook. Benny, 33% of Americans say they, only 33%, so they, say they approve of how he's handling illegal immigration at the southern border. And 38% um, approve of his handling of the crime situation. That's not to even bring up things like inflation, gas prices, 
taxes, and other things that he polls poorly with. Do you think this is a recognition by most of Americans that, in fact, uh, they put the wrong man into office? I hope I hope so. I mean, I hope that it's resonating not just in, you know, uh, conservative um, circles, libertarian circles, Republican circles. I hope that it is resonating uh, all throughout, uh, you know, uh, along the spectrum of politics, because the man is just not fit for office. I mean, he's not. And what's so funny is that for for years, for the four years that Trump was in there, the Democrats, you know, you know, would, would put on repeat. He, you know, Trump is not fit for office. He's, he's doing this, he's doing that. I mean, you want to talk not fit for office, just look at the current president. Um, I mean, he's, he's, he's senile beyond belief. He has, uh, you know, early onset dementia and this is sad. I mean, he belongs in a place where people can take care of him. He's at the point in his life where he needs a caretaker. He's not need to be running the free world. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's ludicrous and it's actually probably dangerous. And um, that might be why you're going to see the vice president take over at some point over the next few years, like you alluded to. Yeah, I mean, and it is very dangerous. Uh, We have no idea who's actually making the decisions. That's dangerous. If there is a national crisis, let's say, you know, we are let's say China moves on Taiwan, Taiwan, who's going to be making those decisions on how to respond to that? Uh, these are big issues that we're faced with, and we've got somebody who's very compromised in office. Britt, I want to change topics, but you can talk about either. Um, the largest teachers union in the nation has decided it will promote critical race theory, and it will work to thwart the efforts of critics. You know, we've seen a lot of video of parents standing up at school board meetings expressing their dissatisfaction with the curriculum that includes critical race theory in the 1619 Project. Well, the NEA has moved to openly promote teaching of CRT in K through 12 schools and to oppose any bans on instruction in both the Marxist ideology and the widely discredited New York Times 1619 project. They have said that they have agreed to research organizations that are attacking educator, edu- educators and they're dismissing the outrage of grassroots grassroots parents as it claims that, that they are the main critics of CRT and they are not actually grassroots, but in fact they are well-funded conservative groups. Britt, since when does the teachers union start deciding curriculum? When did that happen? Well, you know, because they bribe the politicians. I mean, that's why we have so many teachers and then the politicians keep giving them raises because that means more dues to the union, which means more money in their pockets. Uh, Real quick on the COVID thing, the COVID variant. Until I see John Carpenter level mutations, like in the thing, I don't want to hear about the goddamn COVID anymore. I don't. I don't want to hear it. Unless some dog head starts growing out of the side of my face and my feet go running off in a different direction and spider legs come out, I don't want to hear about it anymore. It's not that big a deal. But if that does happen to you, we're going to live stream it. So everybody pay attention. Keep Check your notifications. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Teachers unions are just corrupt organizations. It's a grifting program. I mean, it's the original grifting program. Um, and they bribe the hell out of our politicians. I mean, trips and junkets and Vegas and uh, wads of cash. I mean, it is a dirty, dirty business. Um, and a lot of this I've seen. Um, but parents are parents are pushing back. And, you know, maybe in the – and, again, here's the sad thing. The kids in the inner city, which are primarily minorities, are the ones that are going to get hosed by all of this. They are already they already have the worst education on the planet in these cities that have been run by Democrats through and through uh, for a hundred years. 
Democrat politicians, Democrat employees of the city, Democrat teachers, Democrat unions, and they are turning out the dumbest among us to no fault of these kids' own. Occasionally, a few escape. You know, it's almost like that Shawshank Redemption scene when uh, the guy finally escapes at the end, crawls through the mile of shit pipe to get out, and it becomes a Ben Carson type or a Clarence Thomas type, and, you know, comes out of the projects and the poor, uh, the poor hood and uh, succeed, but that's very rare because of teachers' unions because of corrupt politicians that the teachers unions bribe. And I honestly think that our voting is very suspect in those areas. I'm telling you, if we had honest voting, it would look so different, I bet. I, every, every cell in my body says, if we had an honest election, the, the, the makeup of the country's politicians would be different. Um, Trish, the uh, NEA's admission here, where they say they are going to continue to teach this and they're going to continue to support educators that, educators that are teaching it, uh, undercuts the recent message by a lot of Democrats that, well, hey, there's nothing to see here. We're not teaching CRT in classrooms. That's just a big hoax. In fact, Terry, Terry McAuliffe, um, who's a, a second, well, he was governor of Virginia before, and now he's running again for that seat. He, um, he said over the weekend, or recently anyway, that critical race theory is another right-wing conspiracy that is totally made up by Donald Trump. He said that on NBC's, MSNBC's Meet the Press um, and Chuck Todd, Chuck Todd, I can't speak. Chuck Todd called critical race theory manufactured. But here is the NEA coming out and saying, no, we actually support this. We're going to continue to support teachers that are teaching it. And we're going to attack people who attack it. So first comment, um, Terry McAuliffe, I don't know if you guys caught his little 4th of July video that he put out on Twitter, <laughs> um, where he was pretending to grill. He didn't have the grill turned on. He didn't have his beer open. I'm sure his little patriotic shirt still had the price tag on it. Um, but he is crooked as they come. And yep. I, I, on, I hope Virginia wises up because if they put him back in office, they are in for a world of hurt. Well, he's a, he's um, a Clinton lackey too. Yep. Yeah, but um, but as far as the NEA goes, I mean, everybody knows that the NEA is a joke. It's an absolute joke. When did the teachers' union start defining public health with the CDC? When did that happen? Right. I mean, th th it's all it's all this big conspiracy with these groups deciding, and it's it is it's very much a you are the peasant and you will rejoice. Like, did you not hear me when I said that this is what you will do, peasant? Do it. And honestly, we're through. I mean, and here in Florida, we're done. Like, bring it. Bring your threats. Bring it. Because we, I, we are ready to fight down here. We are, we are done. And I'm glad that we have the leadership that we do in Ron DeSantis to make that possible because he is very staunchly against it. I personally am very staunchly against it. It breaks my heart to see Black youth come out of their school system believing that they truly are lesser than white people. They, they truly believe that, and it just absolutely breaks my heart. I want to move on here, Benny, but uh, feel free to comment on the NEA, too, if you want to. Uh, but a few months ago, I think it was in April, I played a, a video clip of Democrat senators assembling on the uh, lawn in front of the Capitol talking about climate change. I'm going to play that again because the words that we spoke when that when we played that video clip the first time are coming true with a vengeance. Natural gas has has uh, great advantages over coal and oil in terms of emissions uh, per pound or per cubic foot or however you want to measure it. This is the comparison. Natural gas, propane, heating oil, and coal. The problem is if you include the methane releases 
here's where natural gas comes out. It loses its environmental advantage. So one of the things the people that have been critical of climate change policy are saying that we have abundant natural gas in this country. We can use natural gas to make electricity. We can use natural gas in vehicles. We can heat our homes. Uh, we can use this abundant energy source in a clean and environmentally friendly way because it does not have the CO2 emissions that other fossil fuels have. So these senators trot out here with this chart and they they show this uh, this comparison comparison where in fact natural gas does emit a lot less CO2. However, the now methane is a problem. So CO2 emits a lot of methane. And back when we showed this, we we said this is the warning shot that that is going to prompt them to go after the natural gas industry because the natural gas industry is a viable alternative to this other stuff that's being shoved down our throats: electric cars. Uh, solar panels, wind power, all the stuff that doesn't necessarily work. Well, in fact, now the EPA is focusing on methane and Biden will be increasing regulation to try to reduce methane emissions, which, Benny, if we really get down to brass tacks here, we're talking about cutting use of natural gas to reduce methane. The EPA said in its recently published regulatory agenda that it will con that it will consider proposing new regulations to establish emission guidelines for methane emissions from existing operations in the oil and gas sector by September. This is an abundant clean energy Benny, but they're not going to let us use this one either. Apparently not, and I think that this is all a prerequisite to the carbon tax that we all uh, we'll have to pay under uh, penalty of arrest or uh, not getting our tax returns back or, uh, you know, being able to use this service or that service or even having our utilities shut off. I mean, who knows? I think, I think, like you said, that was a warning shot at press conference where the man talking couldn't even see what chart he was uh, looking at <laughs> and that little bar graph he had. The other guy had to show him. And um, yeah, I think uh, I think that is a prerequisite to the carbon tax that we all know is coming, uh, based on the Green New Deal and based on what uh, other uh, you know progressive countries have instituted. And uh, you know, it's something we have to fight back against for sure. Um, Britt, this went on to say that reducing methane, or the, or the uh, EPA went on to say reducing methane is an important step in fighting climate change. We believe. We will need all of the tools available to us, including both voluntary and regulatory processes. So in other words, Brad, if you don't do what we tell you to do by voluntarily, we're going to come and make you do it. Planets of planet, planet, human, planets of human. What was that Michael Moore movie? You planet, told us to of watch? The, planet of the humans. Planet of the humans. Everybody needs to watch that show, that movie. It's on YouTube and it's on Prime. Watch it. It really shows you the dirtiness of the clean energy world. Now, their outcomes are a little weird, but of uh, what their solutions are to fix the problem, but it's worth watching. And again, this is also a grift. This is, I mean, now, now, watch, now watch, watch the methane companies, the natural gas companies, watch those politicians' coffers fill up. Watch the lobbyists show up with pocket suitcase full of dollars. Watch, I mean, this is how Congress works. You know, oh, you're not giving me enough money. Okay, watch, we're going to pass this bill. We're going we're gonna to screw with you. I mean, the tax code and the regulatory code is the weapon, is the big stick that Congress uses to beat money out of corporations to get what they get the, what they want, which is money in their coffers. They want their home re-roofed. They want their their uncle, their their wife's uh, brother, 
uh, you know, needs a new home somewhere, needs some land somewhere, needs a permit. I mean, this is just this is how Congress works, and they're going to beat it out. Now, sadly, some of them are diehard believers. I mean, they are Jonestown level. Holy crap, they believe this stuff. But again, what are they, they all live within the within the walls of the of the of the city that has everything? They don't know what it's like to be out there in the farmlands and have power shut off. They don't know what it's like to to, to row a hoe to hoe a row to plant food. They don't know what it's like to to fix brakes on a car. They don't know what it's like to to, to be looking at your bank account and the bills. What, what what utility do you pay so you don't get it turned off? They don't know. But I'm telling you, when the one percent take over and we're like Venezuela and they're in the ditch next to us, I'm gonna punch them right in the teeth. <laughs> Uh, Trish, we're almost out of time here, but do you want to comment on this EPA thing? Yeah, no, and I, I think, you know, uh, the precursor of t the, the taxes, why do you think they're going to hire 87,000 more IRS people? Yep. I mean, listen, they are setting it up. The, we all know that, that we have weaponized the IRS. Let's look at what they did with going after Tea Party members, like destroying their jobs. They're going to do it again. The DOJ has been doing it. The FBI has been doing it. We all know that every single government, federal government entity has been weaponized against the citizens of this country. And yeah, it, it needs it needs to end. We need to stand up. But I'm not giving up my 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 burger, Biden. You know, my 16 cent savings this weekend on my <laughs> my fourth of July. You know, I, I honestly when I saw that tweet, I literally thought that I was going to go through the roof. I'm like, are you kidding me? 16 cents. You're bragging about say, you know how much more it cost me to drive to the grocery store right. to get that yeah stop yeah i yeah the guy the guy's the guy's out there we all know he's not running the show we all know that his he's just a puppet in this big master honestly i think valerie was it valerie jarrett i yeah. think she and susan rice are running the show to be honest i really think they are we're of course a couple minutes over here but i just want to quickly ask this question all the way around benny what happens the first time joe biden is let's say giving a, a series of comments. He doesn't give speeches. He just reads a teleprompter with the comments and he just completely blanks out. And we've seen him blank out for seconds, but I mean, just completely blanks. Or what, what about the first time they catch him walking around the White House lawn in his underwear? I mean, you know, what's the reaction going to be? Do you think the, the media will take notice at that point? No, probably not. Uh, in fact, they, many people don't know this. Um, my, uh, uh, I have a family friend who's a secret service secret service agent for uh, who was the secret service agent for Barack Obama, and he told me that Biden used to swim in the uh, vice uh, the vice president's house. was called the executive. Uh, I forget what it's called. And that pool, he used to swim naked every day. Yep. Swim naked in the pool every day. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, the media didn't want to report on that. So. Yeah, isn't he's, he's isn't that like it. the called the Admiral's House or something like that? There's a nautical reference to whatever the name of that house I, is. Anyway, quickly, I Brett. So, yeah. Anyway, quickly, Brett. What happens the first time they catch him walking on the White House lawn in his underwear, not knowing where, or his bathrobe, not knowing where he is, or he's giving a, a speech and he, you know, just completely loses it? People with dementia yeah. do. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, number one, Biden has a lot of minders, so he's not going to get that far, but he'll get feisty and angry and cranky and, and, and throw a, a temper tantrum. So that'll happen. The media, the, the, the corporate media, the corporate Democrat controlled by the Soros gang media will, will just fall in line. I mean, you might get a Tucker Carlson that'll go after it, but 
I mean, I could yeah, even but see... at that point, can you, can you really deny it? I'm, I'm talking about a major event. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah. it's a bit tongue-in-cheek cheek when I say he's walking on the White House lawn yeah. in his underwear. But something of that significance that you can't deny is happening. And do, yeah. You know, I, what, what do they do? They just start singing, singing you know Kamala Harris's you know, praises? Is that what they do? This, yeah, this is what's going to happen. The media is going to look at their handlers and go, what do we do with this? And then when the handlers go, it's time. That's when they'll go after him. That's when you'll see it's time. The Twenty Fifth Amendment. This isn't that. But I want to really quick double on double onto a Benny story. I have a friend that's a Secret Service agent. Used to run around with him for a long time, and he's still there to this day. But he tells me stories of Biden walking around the vice president uh, naked, and they couldn't put female. They had to be careful where they put female agents at because he would just walk around naked. And then Dan Bongino, who was a Secret Service agent, has told stories about it on his show. So now we have three people with three separate, you know, I mean, so there's something to him in his wow. head and sniffing girls and hugging girls inappropriately and walking around naked. And, hey, look at me. I'm in my, you know, yeah, he's not, he's not wow. all right. He's a weird dude. And that was six, mm-hmm. you know, six to 12 years ago. So, um, you know, a lot has, a lot has changed with him since then. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. It's all we have time for. Thank you to everyone for hanging out a few minutes extra. We appreciate it. Please subscribe to our channels everywhere. YouTube. Twitch, the podcast version of the show, Rumble. Where else, Britt? Uh, Roku. The Roku channel. That's right. Yes. right. And you said it right. It right. A new day, a new week. Wow. You must have had a good weekend. Yeah. Um, thanks, oh, for, yeah, thanks for being here, everybody. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Trish, thank you for being here tonight. Always love having you on the program. Thank you for having me. Benny, you too, of course. Love having you here. Appreciate your perspective. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and that's going to do it for tonight. Anything else we need to say, Britt, before we call it a night? I think we're. Uh, yeah. How dare you? Okay, that's a great way to end it. Thanks for being here.